If you've been covered by grace, covered by the blood, covered by the name, give him a shout of praise today. Before you're seated, Sister Tracy, come up here for a minute. I, I The people that are being baptized, I'm, t- I'm told that they can hear us in the chapel. A few weeks ago in Nashville, I water baptized 106 people. And one of the manifestations that happened in Nashville, I don't know why it happened, but it felt like there was fire in the water. There was a warmth. There was a, people were getting in and like, ooh, there's fire in the water. People were getting into the water and they were getting healed. They were getting delivered. God was touching them. And it reminded me of my daddy, who I really miss, who died five years ago. He went to preach in Colombia in 1998 in Cali, Colombia, 100,000 people. And they started, my dad opened his sermon and said, if you haven't been baptized, today is the day to be baptized. He meant after the sermon. Well, that's as far as he got in the sermon. People started coming from all over the stadium. One person in particular was in a wheelchair and they wheeled him to the baptistry, picked him up, put the man in the water. And when they put the man down in Jesus name, when he came out, when he came up, not only was his sins forgiven, but the man completely stood up and never went back to a wheelchair. He was instantly healed by the power of God. And I want you to hear just real quick. I want you to hear this testimony that Sister Shockley shared with me today about what God did for her when she got baptized. And if you haven't made your decision yet, I'd sign up. As soon as I'm done preaching, I'm running out of here to go help water baptize. I want you to hear this testimony. So I was born with a heart defect. And um, when I was eight years old, I was in a wheelchair on mega doses of penicillin. I had been lived most of my child up to that point in hospitals. I had severe asthma attacks where I could wake up and my mom and dad standing over me. I couldn't breathe. I was rushed to the hospital over and over uh, to get me through the night. And I w- had received the Holy Spirit as a little child at eight years old and I wanted to be baptized. It was in the month of January and um, I wanted, I was supposed to be baptized that night. I went into the hospital early that morning with an asthma attack. My dad wasn't saved at the time, and my mom called the pastor that afternoon, and she said, it's January, it's freezing cold outside, my husband won't understand, we're leaving the hospital to bring her to be baptized tonight. And the pastor said, I believe if you bring her, that God's going to do something. So I went to that service that night, I was in a wheelchair, could not exert my heart enough even to walk to a restroom, I lived in a wheelchair for a long time. I went, was sitting on the side gasping for breath, had left the hospital. It came time for baptisms. I went up and I was baptized. When I came out of the water, I was told at, to that point, I would never have children. I could not, my heart wouldn't withstand childbirth, that I would never be able, I would have never been able to sing. I went up and came up out of the water. I took a deep breath and I have never been short of breath since. I went back to the hospitals in Mobile, Alabama. The doctors, the team of cardiologists came in the room and they said, there is no explanation. I can show you the defect here. I can show you that it's not here. And the other doctor said, well, just to be safe, I want to keep her on medication. I was supposed to be on medication until I was 35 years old. Within a week, I had a reaction and broke out in blisters all over my body and could not take the medication anymore. I'm standing here as a testament. God has healed my body. He healed me of cancer four years ago. God is a healer and baptism, God heals in baptism, not just fill you with the spirit, but he can heal your body. Somebody give God praise like it was your healing, like your miracle. 
Hallelujah. If you can hear me in that chapel, I speak healing over the people that are getting baptized today. Not only salvation, but healing, healing, healing. There's fire in that water. There's fire in this sanctuary. One more time, give God praise. great day to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. That's what we live for. That's what, that's what the gospel of salvation was all about. That's what John 3:16 was all about. That's what the cross and the and Calvary and, and the tomb, all of that was for what's taking place on those screens. And I'm excited. As soon as we get done, I'm running back there. I'm going to help water baptize. Then we got a Spanish service and more people are getting baptized. Amen. What an exciting church. You got to thank God you belong to Inspire Church. Amen. Amen. I want to go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. I really f- assumed, that's why you tell, they tell you not to assume, but I really assumed I'd be preaching today about water baptism. And I really felt the Lord stir in me the need to preach about prayer today. And uh, I believe it's the word of the Lord for this hour. And I want to share it with you today. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 9. Uh, I think 150 plus baptisms is a testimony and a sermon in itself. So, amen. I'm seeing old and young men, women, all races, all well, not, well, we're all one race, but all cultures, all colors. I mean, I just love it. It's, it's just beautiful what's happening. Amen. First Samuel one verse nine. And for today I'm reading out of the new living translation. It says once everybody say once, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray just to that point. Once after a sacrificial meal, Hannah got up and went to pray. I want to preach today from this subject. I turned to prayer and prayer turned it around. I turned to prayer and prayer turned it around. Father, I'm absolutely nothing without you. 
But in you, we are made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So use me for your glory, that your name would be exalted and lifted on high. I pray that you would heal, deliver, and transform as a confirmation of your word today. That more hearts would be touched to be saved and to be baptized today. Confirm your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Some of my earliest memories of my childhood are that of prayer. Uh, If you grew up in a Christian home, especially in a spirit-filled home, and then doubly especially if you grew up in a minister's home, I believe that you could say the same. I remember praying as a family. We had to pray about everything. We prayed to go to sleep. We prayed to wake up. We prayed before meals. We pray every day. We had prayer service at church every day. There was Sunday service. There was midweek service. There was Friday night youth service. And then there was Saturday prayer service. And then there was the prayer services that we had every day growing up. And in our home, prayer was not optional. Prayer was not secondary. Prayer was mandatory. We prayed about everything. And uh, my parents, my my best way of describing it was that we had this liturgical style of prayer service every night in my parents' bedroom. Every night, my mom and dad, my brother and I would gather around their bed and we would pray together as a family. And my dad would start the prayer, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this. And my brother and I would have to say, day. My mother would say, forgive us for our, and if we didn't say sins loud enough or we didn't say it plural, she'd kind of elbow, sins, because I mean, it was plural. Want to make sure we spoke it and confessed it. And not only would we pray and ask for forgiveness and thank God for our prayer, uh, for our day and for our blessings, but then we would begin praying the word and my mother would begin a Bible verse in prayer and we would finish it. She'd say, we pray Deuteronomy six, five, we'll love the Lord, your God with all our heart, all our soul. And then we'd answer and with all our strength, Proverbs three and five, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. We bind it around our neck. We write it upon the tables of, uh, and then we write it upon the tables of our, and we'd say our heart. And those nightly prayer meetings were teaching my brother, Andrew and I, another language. We spoke English. We spoke Spanish. We eventually spoke in tongues, but in that bedroom, we were learning the language of prayer. It's the language of heaven. It's the language that moves the heavens and the earth. And my parents were teaching us how to communicate with our heavenly father. Before we would go to school every day, we'd have to pray. It didn't matter if we met, if we missed the bus. It didn't matter if we were late to school. We were not leaving my mother's presence if we did not pray. And so we would pray a blessing over the day and then we'd pray the word. I feel like I've told you this part before, but every day we'd pray, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man for any man. When he is tempted, he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished. And at that point, my mom's poking me in the chest. It bringeth fourth death I walked to school trembling God don't let me die today I don't want to go to hell we were praying that prayer in kindergarten okay so for any young person in this room that thinks that your parents are fanatics and that your parents are too you know they're too religious too churchy you don't know what it's like to be too churchy we were quoting the book of Psalms we were quote I mean there was a scripture for everything and we had to learn it by memory even when we were little kids 
I remember to this day being in the fourth grade and I was assigned to a classroom that had the meanest teacher in school. How mean was she? She was known to kick desks. She was known to slap the back of your chair with a ruler and scream in your face. It was the eighties and anything was possible. And when I found out I was assigned to her class, I cried. You make fun of me. I don't care. I cried like a baby when I found out and I went home and I told my mom what had happened. And my mom said, Tony, Let's pray about it. I said, all right, mom, let's pray about it. I bind her in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I declare she is under my feet. Satan, thou get behind me. The blood. My mom said, no, not like that. I'm saying, what do you mean? Not like that. That's how we pray. Mama, we're Pentecostal. She said, no, that's not how we're, that's not how we're going to pray. And I said, all right, well, you're going to have to show me. My mom said, all right, this is how we're going to pray. She said, God, I thank you that Tony has favor with Miss so-and-so. I thank you that you're turning her heart towards Tony and you're turning Tony's heart towards her. Now, you know, you're not supposed to pray with your eyes open. I opened one eye. I said, huh? She's like, I just thank you. Goodness and mercy follow Tony and good things are going to happen to Tony. She got all Joel Osteen on me before anybody knew who Joel Osteen was. I mean, this is the 80s. Joel Osteen is probably in the fourth grade with me. I mean, she's all up in there. This is my Bible. I am what it says. I, I can do it. I mean, she's just speaking blessing and favor. I didn't know how to relate to that kind of a prayer. And she said, I just declare this is going to be the greatest school year Tony has ever had. And then she wrote a note and she said, give this to your teacher. I'm like, okay, you're going to rebuke her in the note. You just didn't want to do it in front of me. I got you, mom. I got you. And since I got the gift of being nosy, I opened the note while walking to school, getting ready to read a rebuke. And it says, dear Miss so-and-so, I would love to invite you to my son's piano recital next week. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? Well, Miss So-and-so didn't just come to that piano recital. She came to every piano recital I had between the fourth grade and when I left high school. Miss So-and-so became a family friend. Miss So-and-so bought me Christmas presents, and I bought Miss So-and-so Christmas presents. Miss So-and-so became a friend to my family. Now, I heard the next year she she kicked one of the students in the teeth. But the year I was in her class, she was incredible. She was wonderful. She named me the captain of the safety patrol. It's okay. Go ahead and make fun of me. I'm a nerd. It was one of my best years in school and it left an imprint on my heart. When you turn to prayer, prayer will turn things around. My mama was trying to teach me in the fourth grade. You can get frustrated. You can get angry. But if you want to see things change, you take it to God in prayer because prayer changes things. Hallelujah. When you pray, you've opened up direct communication between you and heaven. You have a mediator named Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that whatsoever you ask, according to his will, in his name, it shall. Somebody say, it shall. It shall be yours. Somebody give him praise today. 
We make it a habit, not on purpose, but by accident. We make it a habit of going to all the wrong people and then going to God last. But the Bible says, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto thee. I was telling them a story in the first service. I had been at a steakhouse with my kids and everything went wrong. The cut of the, of the steak was wrong. The temperature was wrong. The service was wrong. And after being very frustrated and getting mad at the busboy and mad at the waiter and mad at the hostess, I said, bring me the manager. And when the manager came out, he said, Tony, you have been talking to all the wrong people. You should have found me first. And I'd have fixed this thing a long time ago. And I sat back in my, th- in my seat and I thought, you know what? That's the story of my life. I go to Google. I go to Facebook. I go to WebMD. I go to Siri. I go to everybody else. And then I go to Jesus. And that's why I wander in a wilderness for 40 years, Israel. That's why I got to deal with sin and temptation. If I'd have just gone to Jesus first, he says, behold, I make all things new. It's time to start cutting out the middlemen. It's time to stop having all those detours and go straight to Jesus. And then we'll be able to testify. I turned to prayer and prayer turned it around. Now, my mother taught me to pray, to pray by example. My father taught me to pray by example. They would take me to the altar. They'd kneel me down next to them and I'd hear my parents pray and they taught me how to pray. Now, I don't do everything exactly the way my parents did, but I learned enough lessons to know that if my kids are going to learn to pray, they're going to learn to emulate what they see in their home. If all they hear is cussing and yelling and arguing, that's what they're going to do. But if they hear praying and decreeing and declaring and prophesying that's what they're going to do and I feel compelled in my heart I want to raise up a prophetic generation that knows there's power in the name of Jesus there's power when we go to prayer when my kids were very young we went to Disney World. And, and, you know, and you know what Disney's, I mean, they're not ashamed to charge anything, you know. And so I'd saved up all our money and we got to Disney World and I'm thankful to be in Disney. We're in line to get on the motor speedway and the rain starts falling. The same guy that's selling cotton candy that for $20 turned it into a $20 umbrella like that. I mean, I'm just watching every raindrop look like another dollar bill going down the drain. And they're shutting down the rides. Everybody's running out of the park. And my... My son, Cole, who was with me a few years, a few weeks ago, he's about six years old. He starts pulling on my shirt and he says, Daddy, what are we going to do? And I sarcastically, a little annoyed because I'm having my own pity party. I said, I don't know. Pray about it. But not like prophetically, like my son, pray. I just, I, leave me alone. Pray. Well, that little six-year-old threw his hands up in Disney World. And he said, Father, I speak favor over my vacation. I'm like, that's not my son. I don't know who that is. Security. He said, I speak favor over my vacation. He said, the rain is messing it up. And I command the rain to stop in the name of Jesus. I have no need, no reason to exaggerate. God's good enough on his own. I have no reason to exaggerate the story. When he said, in the name of Jesus, a cold gust of wind blew into the magic kingdom. And the rain stopped. I mean, stopped. 
I wish I could tell you that I had faith and said, Behold my son, when thou prayest, thy heavenly father answereth thee from heaven. I was in shock. I'm, I'm like, baby, pray for daddy's wallet real quick. Here, pray for daddy. Just pray. Pray for our man. I mean, my God, pray for me. He was six years old. He, he plays, you know, he played, he grew up playing baseball. He was convinced from that day forward that he could control weather patterns. He was convinced from that day forward that when he prays, God answers his prayer. When he'd go to baseball tournaments and he'd have to pitch, if he walked outside and saw clouds, he's like, Daddy, don't worry. I got this one. I got this one. This will be just like Disney World. I command the rain to stop until after the tournament and the rain would stop. I never told him he was crazy. I never told him that was weird. I let that boy believe that when he prays about anything, his heavenly father in heaven hears him. You say, God does those kind of things. When I was coming to church, I was telling Bishop in the office, I was coming to church. I was thinking about this sermon. I was preparing for this sermon. My youngest is at a soccer tournament right now in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I told him this morning when I talked to him on the phone before I came in, I said, Zach, I'm praying for you. I speak favor over you today. You're scoring a goal today in the name of Jesus. I'm just teasing with my kids. Don't get mad at me. I'm just joking with my kids. And in between services, Cole, the one that prayed at Disney, sent me a text in all caps letters. Daddy, Zach just scored a goal. They're about to win the game. Knock on wood. I said, I rebuke that witchcraft in the name of Jesus. I said, don't knock on wood. Stretch your hands and pray over that game. I said, Cole, do it like it's Disney World. Cole texted me while you all were singing. He said, Dad, it worked. They won the game. You say, does God really care about soccer? No, he doesn't care about soccer, but he cares about teaching kids that when you go boldly before the throne of grace, your heavenly father hears you. I feel like I'm weirding some people out. So let me get biblical so that you'll believe me. Because the Bible tells you a crazy story about a man named Joshua who was in the middle of a battle. And the sun was about to set. And he said, I need more sunlight so I can finish this battle. So he prayed and he said, I'm asking that the sun stand still. Now you all are smart people. You know that that prayer doesn't make any sense. That prayer isn't scientific. That prayer is he prayed it wrong. Because what he was asking is an impossible but God was sitting up in heaven and he said if that boy is crazy enough to pray that prayer then I'm God enough to answer that prayer and the Bible says that the sun stood still because Joshua had the audacity to pray that prayer you don't know what your prayer might do today if you get bold enough and say I'm praying to God for the miraculous give him praise might be one prayer away from crazy stuff happening. You might be one prayer away from the miraculous taking place. I told him in the first service, I'll tell you here as well, because I know that you'll receive this in the spirit. It should be received. 
I was in North Carolina on Friday with Pastor Paula White. We were at an event, and when we got done, we're having dinner. She said, Pastor Tony, she said, you know what? The president was really sick. You know, Pastor Paula is the, the president's pastor. She said, Tony, he was really sick with COVID. I mean, really sick. And he said, and she said, I called him, and I said, President, there's people praying for you all around the country. And he said, Paula, go ahead and get on my Facebook page, and let if you want to call for prayer, you can go on my Facebook page. I mean, he, I mean, you understand, I don't let anybody on my Facebook page and I'm just me, you know, the president said, you can get on my Facebook page and have people pray. You know how many people gathered in prayer? 25 million people. And the next day the president was, and do you know what the president said? The president said, I know that I got a miracle because people prayed for me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if God will heal him from COVID-19 because of a prayer, what can God do for you today if you'll go to God in prayer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I went to God in prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1 tells the story of the birth of a great prophet. His existence is directly connected to prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 1 opens this way. It says there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah. And he had two wives. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is a good reason to only be married to one wife by the way. <laughs> Somebody said, I know that's right. Okay, I'm just, okay. Elkanah had two wives. Panina and Hannah. Panina had children. Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. And the priests would receive the sacrifice. The Bible says and says in verse 5, though he loved Hannah, he would only give her one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Verse 6 says that Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her every year because she didn't have children. Verse 7 says, year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time Hannah was reduced to tears, they would not even eat. I am preaching today to the proverbial Hannahs that are in this room. These are the Hannahs that are barren. You don't have what everyone else has. You've lived through mockery and ridicule. And even at sometimes you've been ashamed. You've been at CT and Inspire year after year. And you see everyone else get a house. Everyone else gets a new dog. Everyone else has two cars and you still got the car for when you join CT. Everyone else is getting blessed. Everyone else is prosperous and you're still dealing with the same stuff year after year after year. Seems like everyone else got married. Everyone else is going from glory to glory and you're stuck at two. And year after year, it's the same thing. I'm preaching to you, Hannah, today. I'm 
preaching to you that are here in this room. You got Elkanas, you got Paninas, and you even got Eli's in your life. Let me explain who those are. Panina are the ones that ridicule you. They mock you. They almost take pleasure in that you're not blessed. They take pleasure in your anguish. Those are those enemies that you're always talking about. And then everyone has an Elkanah, which that's what I want to focus on today. Elkanas. Elkanas. I, I know you're not supposed to hate people, but you almost kind of sort of hate the Elkanas. Elkanas are the people that love you, but they don't get you. I mean, they're in your life. Some of y'all are married to Elkanah. Some of you are Elkanah. Some of your parents are the Elkanah. Some of you are BFFs with the Elkanas. And the Elkanas are the people in your life that try to talk you out of what you're believing God for. They try to talk you out of your radical faith. They try to talk you out of your prayer life because they don't understand your faith. They don't understand your prayer life. They don't understand what you've been hearing from the Father. And because they don't get you, they don't understand you. And so they're the ones that are always trying to talk you down and simmer you down and say, don't believe for the moon. Maybe just settle for the stars. Don't believe for this. Don't but That's too much. That's too crazy what you're asking God for. Verse 8 in 1 Samuel 1 says that Elkanah comes up to Hannah and he says, what are you crying about? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Why are you depressed? Just because you don't have kids? He says, aren't I better than 10 kids? Awkward marriage moment. Like, yeah. Yeah, boo, you, you all I need. Elkanahs are the people. They mean well. They don't hate you. They're well-intentioned, but they try to quench your faith because they don't understand what you know about God. Now, just think about this for a moment. If Hannah would have taken Elkanah's words to heart, if she would have listened to Elkanah, if she would have given in to what Elkanah says and says, you know what? You're right. I don't need to pray anymore for a son. I don't need to believe what I'm believing for. If she gives in, there is no Samuel. There's no one to hear God's voice. There's no one to recover the Ark of the Tabernacle. There's no one to anoint King Saul. There's no one to anoint David. You get the picture. Thank God she didn't let her critics deter her prayer life. Thank God she didn't let criticism stop her from believing God. Because verse 9 arguably changes the entire history of Israel. It says once. Somebody say once. Once after a sacrificial meal, Hannah got up and went to pray. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, all it takes is one simple prayer for history to be made. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 10 that in deep anguish, crying bitter tears, she prayed to the Lord and she made this vow. Oh Lord, if you'll look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give it back. I will give him back to you. Here is the difference. And I hope this will help you break through to a miracle. Here's the difference between Hannah and us. We all get bitter. We all go through anguish. We all cry bitter tears. We all get desperate. But Hannah didn't just cry. Hannah didn't just get bitter. Hannah decided to pray. She prayed. And I can tell you, life has a way of hurting you. Life has a way of bringing things at you that you never expected. 
But the Bible says in verse 19, if you'll jump down, it says, and the Lord remembered her prayer. He saw her anguish. He saw her sorrow, but he remembered her prayer. I hope this will help you today. Uh, This is what I've learned from God. God sees your anguish. He sees your sorrow, but he can't bless anguish. He can't bless sorrow. He doesn't answer tears. He answers the prayers of the righteous. That's why the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So after you get done crying, after you get done being sorrowful, turn to prayer and prayer will turn it around. The Lord is near. Psalms 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalms 3 and 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard my prayer from his holy hill. Mark 11 and 24. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be yours. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I like how this version reads. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything ladies and gentlemen if it's if if it's so burdensome that it gives you anxiety then it ought to be so burdensome that you'll pray about it if it's so much upon you that it causes stress then it ought to birth a prayer life if it's so much that it keeps you up at night then it ought to keep you up in prayer at night because prayer is the only thing a human can do that'll cause change to come when you pray god answers prayer This is just a gentle reminder today because we all get away from it. We all walk away from it by, not on purpose, but we get sidetracked. We get derailed. We think that with our own ingenuity, with our own premonition, with our own education and wisdom, we can solve things. But a lot of times we just create a bigger mess. But if I turn to God in prayer, God will answer that prayer. So in this room, I want to talk for a moment again to the Hannahs that are watching on live stream, social media, television, or they're sitting in this sanctuary. Here is the word of the Lord for you. You have watched everyone get blessed. You've watched everyone else prosper. You've watched even those close to you live in blessing. You've watched other marriages be healed and other wayward children come home. You've seen other businesses prospered and you've waited. You've watched. You've cried. You've hoped. You've anguished. You've been confused, perplexed, and even bitter at times. The Lord says, pray and pray without ceasing. Cry and then pray. Be bitter, but then pray. Be sorrowful, but then pray. And then you will see that in due season, God will remember, God will honor, and God will answer your prayer life. And you will see this thing. Insert the blank. Whatever your thing is, you're going to see this thing turn around because you turn to prayer. Stand with me in this sanctuary. Hallelujah. I've made up my mind. I've cried about this long enough. I've talked to all the wrong people long enough. I've been upset about this thing long enough. Now, I'm going to pray about it. Because God said, call on me. Come to me and pray to me. And I will listen to you, Jeremiah 33 and 3. 
Hannah turned to prayer. Hannah turned to prayer. Elkanah saying, simmer down your faith. Penina ridiculing her. And Eli, we didn't even talk about Eli. Eli represents the religious folk. I didn't want to go there, but I'm going to go there. Hannah's praying, and Eli says, you look crazy. Because even the religious folk didn't understand. Sometimes, sometimes you just say, God bless you. You don't get me, but that's all right. I didn't come for you. I came for him. The Bible says that about Brother Steve, Paul, Jesus. Bishop added a third name there today. The Bible says that about this time next year, Hannah no longer came to Shiloh alone. About that same time the following year, Hannah didn't come crying. Hannah didn't come being ridiculed. Hannah didn't come with people shutting down her prayer life. Hannah walked in like she was the mom on Lion King. Hey, my Kenya, see my Kenya, da da. Hannah didn't walk in alone. Hannah walked in dragging a baby boy that was the answer to her prayer in the presence of Elkanah, in the presence of Panina, in the presence of Eli, in the presence of everyone that saw her broke, busted, and disgusted, in the presence of everyone that said she'll never amount to nothing. Hannah walked in with a blessing in her hand. And I feel prophetic unction to prophesy to someone about this time next year. You're not going to be the same. Your marriage will be different. Your money will be different. Your children will be different. Your prayer life will be different. Your ministry will be different because you pray. Give them praise in the house. Because you prayed. Because you prayed. Because you prayed. About nine years ago, maybe, I was pastoring a little church. Stay standing because that'll make me finish quicker, I promise. Hey, we're normally in here till about one o'clock, so you should feel good right now that I'm done at 1228. Like, man, two weeks off, Suarez got better about those sermons. About nine years ago, we have this little church in Norfolk, Virginia. God gave us a miracle building by this miracle property. It's worth $2.3 million. We buy it for $600,000. Our congregation is pretty much all Latino, 67% undocumented immigrants in the United States. The average income in our church was $9 an hour. Almost everybody lived in an apartment. There was only about four people that had a driver's license. I'm not making fun. There was only about three of us that owned a home, and that was by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. And I started preaching to our people, the God that blesses the white church, the God that blesses the black church is the God that'll bless the brown church. If he does it for them and he does it for them, he'll do it for us. And God blessed us. We were the first Hispanic church in the 400 year history of the city of Norfolk, Virginia to ever own our own facility. Supernatural. It was a miracle. I don't have time to tell the whole story. I kind of told it a little bit for some pastor friends that were here a few weeks ago. 
But the day of the closing, day of the closing, I'm all excited, all thankful. We're going to close on the building. And I went to Cracker Barrel by myself because when I celebrate, I eat. And as, uh, as my sister right here in the third row will tell you, back in those days, I was about 40 pounds heavier. She told me today, she said, hey, I saw a video from way back. And she said, uh, you were like, yes, I was. But Jesus, hallelujah. But the day of the closing, I'm at Cracker Barrel alone. I got the old timers breakfast with an extra egg. Hash browns well done. Got my coffee. And some other stuff. I mean, I'm eating. All three of those pancakes. I mean, I'm just having myself a feast. And my attorney calls and he says, we have a bad problem. I said, what's that? He said, "Um, do you have insurance on the building? I said, well, yeah. He said, have you prepaid the first year? I said, no, that's a lot of money. He said, well, they just said, if you haven't prepaid the first year, you have to do it today or the deal is off. We're talking about almost $24,000, We don't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of money. And I said, well, they never said that. He said, doesn't matter. It's, it was in the deal just because nobody said. And, I, and I'm at Cracker Barrel. And I mean, I just, I was deflated. Just, I sat there alone. I find the waitress. I'm like, bring me another one. Talking about coffee. Because now I got to go face a congregation. We worked hard. We sold tamales. We gave sacrificial offerings. We sold, I mean, we, we worked hard. And now I got to tell them, this is all for naught. We're going to lose it all. And I got mad at God. I felt like, I didn't tell this story in the first service. I really feel someone has to hear this, ser- this story right now. I got mad at God. I'm, ask, I'm talking to God in the Cracker Barrel. I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot. Forgive me. That's how we talk in Chicago. I'm going to look like an idiot. People are going to leave the church. I'm done. Why? And God spoke back. He said, and this is what the Lord said. He said, look at your clock. I looked at it. What time is it? It's like 11. He said, you haven't even prayed today. Here I am mad about something and I haven't prayed about it. It's 11 o'clock and I'm frustrated And I haven't even prayed to start my day. And I said, back to my mama's bedroom when I was a kid. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. It looks like it's about to be crummy, but I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I just started praying, thanking the Lord. I'm not telling you I was excited. I just started praying. And while I was praying in the Cracker Barrel, the attorney called. He said, did you call somebody? Those were his words. Did you call somebody? And I wasn't quick-witted enough to say, I called Jesus. I, I wish I was a quick-witted back then. I, I got him on the main line, called him and told him what I want. No, I wish I'd have been quick-witted. He said, have you called someone? I said, no. I said, I'm, I, I don't know what to tell anybody. He said, you haven't talked to anybody. No, sir. He said, well, they just called me and said, tell Pastor Tony, forget about it. They can have the building. It's our fault. Don't worry. He said, I don't know what happened. 
but something just changed their mind. I know what it was. I went to God in prayer. And when you turn to prayer, God turns things around. You don't know what you might be one prayer away from. You don't know what miracle might be one prayer away. What house, what, but I, I just wish you would lift your voice right now about whatever that thing is and go to God in prayer and watch God turn it around. What an incredible word from God. What an incredible word from God. I wish that every person in this building could understand just how seriously true that message actually is. Prayer really does work. When you work prayer, prayer works what you're dealing with. I learned that years ago. We'll never forget one of the most important things that I ever discovered about prayer is that oftentimes your miracle comes disguised as a problem. It looks like a problem to you, but God is sitting there leaning over heaven just smiling. Because he knows that the moment you pray about it, he's going to show you that he knows who you are and he cares about your situation. And that's why he let what appeared to be a problem come your way. In just a moment, Tony's going to come back and he's going to lead us in prayer. And if you've never given your heart to God... I want to assure you that God really does know who you are. He brought you into this world with great plans for your life. You have a destiny. Those of you that are watching this at home, you were created for a reason. You didn't just happen to get here. Just because you haven't found out why you were born yet doesn't mean there isn't a why. God created you to bring him glory through some specific plan that he has for your life. And one of the things that I have learned as a pastor in my own life, but especially because my experiences have been multiplied many, many, many times over by watching the same principle be true in the lives of others, is that since you have a destiny, the enemy is going to oppose it. He's going to try, to try to thwart the promises of God for you and interfere with God's plans for your life. And there will always be the Elkanas that Tony talked about a moment ago that will try to talk you down from your faith. How many of us have been through that before? And we believed God and somebody else came along and talked us into accepting something less than what God really wanted to do that wasn't as great the enemy will oppose God's plans for your life and you know what God is waiting for you to call on his name and he will put his plans for your life back on track Somebody in this building today is going to receive a miracle.